Welcome to the New Faces of Democracy podcast, the show featuring inspiring conversation with people at the grassroots and the grass tops, doing extraordinary things to stand up for our democracy. I'm your host, Nancy Bynum. This podcast celebrates people who are transforming our political landscape by organizing, running for office, or generally striving to make our democracy live up to its promise of a more perfect union. I hope their stories will inspire you to learn more about them or to take action on your own. Head over to newfacesofdemocracy.org for easy links to subscribe, follow on social media, and to get more inspiration. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Claire Ullman and Sandy Radoff of the voter outreach group Students for Justice. In the spring of 2020, Claire was a professor who was trying to help her students whose summer jobs had gone up in smoke during the COVID lockdown. Sandy was an active volunteer with the Center for Common Ground. The two of them saw an untapped resource to help get out the vote of people of color in voter suppression states, and Students for Justice was born. Sandy, Claire, and I discuss repurposing skills from earlier careers to do good, the importance of giving students leadership and political organizing experience, building intergenerational bonds, and the very real impact that postcards, phone banking, text banking, and social media outreach have on elections. If you liked my earlier podcast with Andrea Miller, founder of the Center for Common Ground, you'll love learning about the ripple effects of her work here. And now here's my conversation with Claire and Sandy. Claire Ullman and Sandy Radoff, welcome to New Faces of Democracy. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah. Claire, let's start with you. What is Students for Justice? Students for Justice is a paid internship program for college students that focuses on voter outreach to communities of color in voter suppression states. And it has two equal goals. One of them is engaging young people in politics and persuading them of the importance of voting. And the other is to have a very real impact on turnout in elections. And what's the origin story? How did you guys start it? So Sandy and I have known each other since 2017. We were activists together in a direct action group in New York City called Rise and Resist. And we worked together on the campaign to turn the New York Senate blue. And we worked together on the campaign to enact major climate legislation in New York. So that's how we we knew each other. But the way Students for Justice started is that it was May 2020 the first terrifying months of the pandemic, and I was finishing up teaching a course at Barnard College. And I asked my students, what are you going to be doing for the summer? And they said, nothing. Professor Ullman, everything has been canceled. Every job offer rescinded. Every internship program has been shut down. There's nothing for us to do. And I started to scramble to find them one at a time, internships, placing them with acquaintances. And I mentioned this to Sandy when I ran into her at a meeting. And and Sandy, why don't you tell the rest of the story? Yeah, so Claire and I were having this conversation, and that was early to mid-May of 2020, and I had at that point become a very significant volunteer for Center for Common Ground, and basically had set up a postcarding distribution operation in Manhattan, had 300 volunteers and walking postcards all over the city, and I said to Claire, there are millions of postcards to write, millions of phone calls to make, there is so much voter outreach that needs to be done before the most important election of our lifetime. And if we could bring those students together with all of that meaningful work that needs to be done, would that not be a win-win? And Students for Justice was born. And I I just wanna say that since then, we have had four internship sessions. The first summer we enrolled 63 initially unpaid interns. 
And then we were really fortunate. We got a large one-time grant from the Open Society Foundation with a mandate to double the size of our program in the fall of 2020. And we grew to 135 paid interns. And in 2021, we had a spring and fall session. And now we are looking to enroll students in a summer and fall session of this year. And we hope to have 120 interns to really make a big push for the important 2022 midterms. Fantastic. Yes, I want to get to all of that. Just to backtrack for a second, did either of you have experience in political organizing? It sounds like, Sandy, you had been volunteering and doing some organizational stuff there. But but in general, what was your background? What brought you? You were a professor, you already said, Claire. But Sandy, what was your background? Well, my background, I'm a data scientist, and I had my own business. And in 2013, I went back and indulged my passion at the time, which was political science. And I learned all the theory and took all the coursework, probably some of the courses that Claire taught. And then I decided to put it into action. So, you know, I became what I would consider to be a a big time activist in 2017 when I joined Rise and Resist. And then in 2020, when I set up a volunteer operation for Center for Common Ground. And that was real organizing experience, which has come into, you know, come in very, very handy in dealing with students for justice. I'd just like to jump in there and say that the fact that Sandy had run her own business was a huge factor to our being able to create this because it she hadn't run something like this, but I brought the knowledge of college students and their schedules, their needs, how to mentor them. But Sandy's experience running her own business allowed us to create an organization really, really fast. Yeah, this is quintessential new faces of democracy because I love how people have taken their skill sets from earlier careers or or whatever they've done before in their lives and pivoted all in the name of you know, saving democracy. Thank you for that, Claire. Students for Justice was an opportunity for me to really bring the most meaningful pieces of my life and experience together in one place. I have been able to use my business experience, my organizing experience, and you know the fact that I have a background in statistics and am a data scientist has really brought a data-driven perspective to what we do, which I think in this world that we live in now is very, very important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I love that, but I love that the fact that everything's coming together at Students for Justice. Okay, so you quickly cobbled together a program for these college students who's, I had a college student, two college students at the time, both of whose summer plans were in jeopardy. I know, I know what they were going through. And you jumped right into the deep end of the 2020 campaign season. Claire, where did you find the students? How did you get the word out? So initially, we just threw the doors open wide. We announced on the internship on Facebook and every other platform that we could find. And we got interns from all over the country. So in 2020, we had interns from 30 different states and over 85 different colleges because the the internship is entirely remote. It was crafted to meet the needs of the pandemic. And we have continued to run it as a remote internship because the platform, that model works really well for a number of reasons we can go into later. But that first year, we just through the doors open wide, people reposted our posts on Facebook and the word just spread. Since then, we've pivoted to a different recruitment approach, and now we are recruiting students from the historically Black colleges and universities 
of the states where we do our voter outreach so that they are representative of the communities where we're doing our voter outreach and so that they return to their communities as the future leaders of the fight for voting rights. And what exactly was involved in the internship at the time? I mean, what were the kids actually doing? We are affiliated with the Center for Common Ground, and our interns mostly do the voter outreach activities of the Center for Common Ground. The postcarding, phone banking, and text banking is a critical component of what we do. We have them recruit volunteers, and this has been consistent throughout the life of the internship program. We have them recruit volunteers to actually do most of the voter outreach so that we greatly expand the number of voters we can contact. We engage the families and friends of our interns in politics, often for the first time, and we give our interns experience with political organizing and leadership. But another thing that we do is we teach our interns to create social media ads, and that has also been a consistent part of our program from the beginning. We are trying to reach the youngest voters in part. It's a special mission of ours because our interns are 18 to 22 years old. We'd like to reach that demographic, which votes in the lowest numbers of any age group in America. And the place to reach them is on social media. So we teach our interns to create voter registration and get out the vote messaging on social media. This also gives our interns a really good job skill that we have found boosts their chances tremendously of getting good jobs after they leave Students for Justice. And, you know, in part because we were born at that terrible time when kids couldn't find any jobs, but in part because of the, you know, who the interns are that we serve, we're really focused on making Students for Justice a stepping stone to other opportunities for them. And then the the third thing that our interns engage in, in, in addition to the political organizing and the political marketing, is political education. We offer a guest speaker series while we have the interns with us, and they attend workshops on issues like gerrymandering, the importance of state legislatures, how to run a safe and effective protest, careers in political consulting, how to run for office as a beginner, and all sorts of topics like that. That's incredible. I'm not surprised because you're an educator, but you really make this, you're really making this a complete experience for the students. They walk away with real life skills. Sandy, so you told me you were involved with the Center for Common Ground already, so you saw this opportunity. So did you just sort of plug the volunteers into that? Did you have to do anything special to sort of bring your group into Andrea's group? Well, let me just make a couple comments about why I was attracted initially to Center for Common Ground, because some of that thread has continued through in what we do with her. I first heard Andrea Miller speak on December of 2019, and I was extremely impressed with the strategy of the organization and with the fact that they were a data-driven organization, which appealed to me as a data scientist. I mean, Andrea really, really does look at things from a quantitative perspective. It's not just, you know, soft, you know, throwing darts saying, hey, I think we'll go after these states. And I remember very vividly a comment that she made, which really has stuck with me. And she said that Texas is not a red state. Texas is a non-voting state. And her, her focus really has been on finding those pockets of voters who were registered or purged from the rolls and weren't voting. And those were primarily communities of color in the rural South. And I just thought was so impressed with all of that. And when we started our program, it really, I think, became 
natural to plug into all the activities that Center for Common Ground was already doing. They had training. We didn't have to reinvent that wheel, but very quickly we came to Andrea's attention and we began to meet with her and our relationship with Andrea has really evolved and developed and become very connected since we started our program. It happened after, not not before. And we really have overlaid a lot of what we do with her strategy, although we've decided to go after a subset of the states that Andrea has because our program is not so big. We don't want to spread ourselves so thin. And as Claire said, we we want to leave, you know, cohorts of interns on the ground. So we've we picked three states and I think Andrea may have 12 states, but we're closely connected in terms of our perspective and our point of view and have become more so over time. Before we actually enrolled the first interns, we and started to do any fundraising, we did formalize the relationship with the Center for Common Ground. The Center for Common Ground functions as our parent organization or fiscal sponsor, something in that realm. We share their 501c3 status. So donations to Students for Justice are tax deductible. And you know we're covered by their insurance and other important features like that. Yet another symbiotic element of what you guys do. I mean, everything just fits so well together. Sandy, what states were you focused on in 2020? Well, in 2020, we had a national perspective and focused on all the states that Andrea did. Okay, okay. We have now narrowed our focus so that we can, I think, be more effective. And in 2022, we have chosen North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. And the reason that we have chosen those three states is because they all have, you know, not surprisingly, very large communities of color. They have many historically black colleges and universities. They all have open Senate seats in 2022, which is really, really important. And two of them have governor's races, which raise the stakes even higher. So we feel that three, three states are a good number. We can have some critical mass in each state. And so we'll be able to actually have an, an impact. We're very excited about that. And of course, all three states are part of Center for Common Ground's target efforts as well. So we will have postcarding, phone banking, and text banking activities that we can plug into. Right. So in 2020, Sandy, how many voters did your interns reach, would you guess? So in 2020, we had 198 interns. They recruited 1,500 volunteers, the volunteers that Claire talked about that really do most of the work. And I know these numbers off the top of my head, and I hope you'll find them as amazing as I do. They They wrote over 135,000 handwritten postcards. They made 130,000 phone calls. They sent over 600,000 text messages, but they didn't stop there. They reached over 3 million young people on social media, the social media program that we put together for them. We did a disproportionate amount of our outreach in the state of Georgia, and we all know how that played out in 2020 and early 2021. So Yes, and we're hoping for a repeat. Yes. Either one of you can answer this question, but I know you also have a mentor component to the program, and I'd love to hear more about that. So I'll just tell you how it got started, and then, you know, Claire can talk a bit more about it. But, you know, about two weeks before the summer of 2020 program, 
was to begin. We had recruited 63 interns and Claire and I looked at one another and said, we've got this great program. We've got postcarding going on. We've got, you know, lectures and everything. And I said, how are we going to possibly manage 63 students and run this program? And so we came up with this idea, which was basically we sent a message out to our network of colleagues and friends and said, hey, guys, anybody want to come on board and help us work with our interns? And we were absolutely floored at the response. I mean, we had dozens of people who volunteered to come on board with us within about 10 days. So the the interns meet once a week. Each intern is assigned to a, a mentor and the intern and mentor meet once a week. And we have found that those relationships actually, you know, we had imagined them as supervision for the interns and they go far beyond that. The mentors get involved in providing career advice, life advice. Some of the mentors stay involved with their interns, you know, years later, still meeting with them and talking with them and advising them. And we also have a couple of volunteers. Volunteers are crucial to Students for Justice. A couple of wonderful volunteers who have taken this mentoring to a higher level. We, we have an internal path to promotion in Students for Justice, and we make star interns into team managers where they come back and manage a team of new interns. And we have two volunteers who run a workshop for those team managers throughout their experience, teaching them leadership skills, how to run a meeting effectively, how to set an agenda, how to deal with problem members of a group, things like that. These are two people with decades of high level leadership experience who are teaching our team managers leadership skills. We're really incredibly grateful to our wonderful volunteers. So Sandy, I know from my conversation with Andrea Miller a few episodes ago that there are real measurable impacts from the voter outreach that you're doing. I mean, this isn't busy work. Can you give us one example for our listeners today? Sure. What's really important is when you are going to measure the impact of voter outreach is that you really need to do it at a time when it's relatively quiet out there. So it's the outreach that you're doing which is, you know, the main event, which makes it really difficult to get concrete measures like during the 2020 election or during, you know, the midterms. So we have been able to benefit from the work that the Center for Common Ground has done. And, you know, one of the things that we have found to be really, really useful is a phone banking study that they did in 2017. This was in conjunction with a special election. Center for Common Ground identified three primarily African-American counties and they flooded them with phone calls to get out the vote. And you know, this is a nonpartisan organization. So these calls were very neutral, very simple. They were telling people where to vote, when they could vote, what they needed to bring to vote, and giving them a phone number in case they needed a ride to the polls. You know, very basic information. And, you know, who you vote for is a matter of your own private business and is never divulged, but whether or not you vote is a matter of public record. So Center for Common Ground was able to go back and take a look at all of those voters who had been called and see how many of them actually showed up at the polls. And what they found was that 85% of the people they called showed up at the polls. And I went back and looked at what the overall average turnout rate was in the state of Alabama that year. And the overall turnout rate was just 40%. 
So, you know, we don't necessarily think that entire gap is due to the phone calls, but clearly when you have an average of 40 and you get 85%, there was a significant impact. And some of your listeners may remember that that was the election that sent Doug Jones to the Senate. He was the first Democratic senator from the state of Alabama in over 20 years. Yes, I remember it well. (laughs) Claire, did you learn any lessons or get any feedback that first year that's now informing your subsequent work? You may have touched on a few of these, but I don't know if there's any others. Well, one of the wonderful things about having a data scientist as a co-director is that Sandy conducts very detailed surveys of our interns after every session. We want to know in granular detail where we're succeeding and where we could do better. So we definitely have made changes over time in the course of the program, including implementing that team manager model that I mentioned earlier. We learned that the interns wanted more guidance and we figured out that they would like to have guidance from a near peer. And so we implemented the team manager program. But basically, we've learned a few things. One, you know, stipends are critically important. We try to enroll first generation and low income college students. And you can only do that if you offer, you know, a living wage. And we we don't give a lump sum, we actually pay 15 to $20 an hour depending on what the intern's role is, so that our internship can compete with an on-campus job as a, as a cashier or whatever it might be. Secondly, we've learned that this remote model of having people meet on Zoom, which of course you know was a, a necessity when we started Students for Justice during the pandemic, is actually a virtue. It allows us to change what state we're working in from election to election. It allows us to bring students together from different areas to meet one another, to learn and work together. And so we feel that that really works. The volunteer mentors that we've already discussed, which were, you know, kind of a desperation move right at the beginning, have become an intrinsic part of the program. The interns rate them one of the most highly rated parts of our program, and they really value those, you know, role models. And then finally, We've really learned that young people thrive in this program. They are as worried about what's going on in the country as all of us are, but they don't necessarily feel that they can make an impact on it. They don't understand the importance of voting. They don't feel that their voice is being heard. And in Students for Justice, we give them the tools to be effective political organizers, to understand the importance of voting, to persuade other people to vote. And they really thrive on that. They are empowered. They are excited. Some of them now talk about running for political office in you know the years to come. And they all say that they're more likely to stay engaged in politics than you know they would have been had they not been part of the program. So we think we're really on to a good model. Yeah, I just want to say that the perspective that we have taken is that we really are a learning organization. And, you know, we're not only learning in terms of educating our interns, but we're a learning organization in that we get feedback from all of the constituents with whom we work, the interns, the mentors, and we pump that back into the organization and make improvements. I mean, one of the things that we noticed in going from after the the fall internship was that because we were a virtual program, this is one of the challenges, I think, we got high scores on almost every measure that we took of our interns, except for having and feeling a sense of community, which of course was something that we felt very strongly about. But when we sliced and diced our data, we found that there was a subset of our fall interns who actually had been part of a team they gave much higher scores 
to feeling a sense of community. And we took that information and funneled that into our next session of the program and made sure that everyone was part of a team. And we saw those scores jump up significantly. And then as Claire mentioned, the idea of a team manager also came out of this research. So we we are always looking for ways to make this program better and better. And, you know, we, we believe in the opposite. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We really want to keep on making the program as good as it can be. Great. So moving forward, well, you said you had a program in 2021, actually. What did you work on there? Just Virginia? Yeah. So in 2021, and this gives I can give you a sense for what our strategy is going to be moving forward. In 2021, we actually did a spring session and a fall session. And in the spring session, we, we thought we had nailed it because there was a special election in Congressional District 11 in Ohio. And so, you know, we, we really like to focus our program around an election because that motivates voter registration, getting out the vote and provides deadlines and timelines. And unfortunately, in the spring, that special election kept moving. You know, they kept pushing it forward and forward and forward. And we, you know, we really weren't able to get our arms around it. In the fall, we were able to focus on Virginia elections. But the main thing that we have decided to look at in these odd years when there is not either a presidential election or midterms is we are taking that as an opportunity to teach interns about the impact, particularly of state elections and more local elections on their lives. And Claire and I have been able to bring the activist experience that we had in working to turn the New York State Senate blue in you know 2018. And we've put together a case study and present that to our interns, and they absolutely love it. They come away recognizing that, hey, it's important what goes on in Washington, but what's happening at the state level really may, at the end of the day, have a greater impact on my life. So moving forward, we are planning generally to have both a summer and a fall session in the presidential election years and in the midterm election years. And we will do a fall session in the odd years focusing on a state election, which most certainly is going on, and use that as an opportunity to educate our students about that level of government. So this year, as you mentioned, right, of course, it's midterms. I think in the past, those used to feel kind of low energy, but the stakes feel really, really high and things feel important. You know, your plans are you're going to run a spring and a fall, sorry, a summer and a fall summer internship. And a fall. 40 interns in the summer because we're figuring they can put in more hours and then 80 interns in the fall, most of whom will be, maybe all of them will be full-time students. So they're, they will put in fewer hours, but there will be more of them. So. Right. Of course, all these states you're looking at are states that deal with a lot of voter suppression and things have only gotten worse since 2020. Do you see that as impacting your work at all? Or is it just, no, we're just going to do it harder. We're going to do more. I think we're, we're really thinking we're going to do more. And that's one of the other benefits that we get from working with Andrea Miller, because she is very adept and has access to all the voter lists. And we will be able to get lists of purged voters, people who have been removed from the voter rolls in a timely manner in those states. So we can target our postcarding and our phone banking. And that's a really great way to bring efficiency and effectiveness to the work. So from what I'm hearing, the last two years have 
really been a nonstop whirlwind for both of you. Do you ever just step back and take a moment and reflect on this journey and the impact you've had on these young lives? I mean, not to mention even on elections. And what's it been like? I think we should both speak to that, but absolutely. I think we are utterly amazed at what we have done and so proud of it. But it really hits home when we have interns tell us about the impact that we've had on their lives. You know, when they say, I could never have gotten this job if it weren't for my experience with Students for Justice, or at a time when I was unbearably lonely, you gave me community and meaningful work. Or when they say, I would have loved to be involved in politics, but, you know, I have to work to pay tuition. And mostly that's, you know, I didn't have the time because I was working at other jobs, but you, because you pay for this internship, I was able to finally do what I really wanted to do. Yeah, and I just did a series of phone calls with interns because we are screening for our future team managers who are going to take over in the summer. And some of the things I heard from the interns, you know, because I'm so passionate about this, brought tears to my eyes. One young woman said, you know, what I got out of Students for Justice is that I really realize now that ordinary people can make change. You don't have to be a political scientist or somebody who has been doing this. Ordinary people can make change. One other young woman said to me, I never would have dreamed that it might even be possible to think about running for office. But after hearing Andrea Miller speak and after going through this program, I'm no longer so scared. I might actually think about doing it. And I mean, this is this just gets to the core of what we are looking to do is to open the eyes of interns to the possibilities. And that is why when we do our recruitment, we are not looking for students who have all kinds of experience in politics and organizing. We're actually looking for students who are interested, but don't have the experience and then get it and get educated through our program and come out of it changed. And we've seen that and that that keeps us going. <laughs> it really does. There and these young people are just unbelievably wonderful. It's very powerful. So what do you need to be able to fully implement the program you have planned this year? What we need to be perfectly frank is money. We are a very lean organization. Most of our budget goes to paying intern stipends and it costs us the average stipend for an intern is $1,800, and the cost of enrolling one intern in our program, you know, including everything, is about $2,500. And so the only thing that keeps us small is, you know, the amount of money that we can raise. And donations to Students for Justice are fully tax deductible and because of our relationship with the Center for Common Ground. And they can be made at our website, studentsforjusticevote.org. But there are two other things that people can do to help us in addition to donating money. And one is introductions to foundations. We have found that most foundations these days only accept applications by invitation. So if any of your listeners you know, know of a foundation that might be interested in our work and could introduce us to a board member or staff member, that would be very helpful. And then finally, we would love volunteers to host virtual house parties for us. Virtual house parties are how we are raising our money. What we do is somebody who is a familiar with our work, invites a group of their friends, 10, 20, 30 of their friends to attend a one-hour Zoom 
meeting where Sandy and I explain Students for Justice, show a sweet video featuring some of our interns talking about their experience, or sometimes bring a, an intern in to talk to the to the group, answer questions. And at those virtual house parties, that's how we make friends. And as we make friends, some people donate, some people volunteer in turn to hold a house party. And that's that's how we are funding this. That Open Society Foundation grant that we got at the beginning was a one-time grant, has not been repeated. And we are almost entirely funded by individual donations. So that is the lifeblood of this program. We have big dreams and big plans, and we are limited only by the amount of money we can raise. And I just wanted to add, because I, I may have missed it, but Claire and I take no salary because we just can't stand the thought that we might have to reduce the number of interns. So virtually 90% of the money that comes into our organization goes toward student stipends or supplies and directly affect our interns. The rest is a few staff positions or you know consultants and some administrative work, but we, we take no salary, so. And every penny that's spent on interns is effectively spent on elections because what the interns do is get out the vote. So every dollar has a double impact. It simultaneously gives a young person an incredible opportunity to learn and grow, but it also at the same time has a very real impact on the elections that we all care about the most. It sounds like Students for Justice, I mean, you guys mentioned, someone, one of you mentioned earlier, it's a win-win. It sounds like there's several more wins that get thrown <laughs> in there because the students win by developing these meaningful life and leadership skills and connecting to democracy. Society wins by having our younger generation get interested in democracy. Voters win. I mean, and of course, as you said, democracy wins. So Sandy thank and you. I win too. Yes, Sandy and, and I you win guys too. really win. We have a really win. good time with it. Well, thank you both so much for joining me today and for the work you're doing at Students for Justice. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Nancy. It was really great to talk to you and get to meet you. Thank you for listening. New Faces of Democracy is created and produced by me, Nancy Bynum. And in addition to being the host, I'm also the CEO, the CFO, and the administrative assistant. If you enjoyed this episode, please help New Faces of Democracy grow by subscribing on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for more inspiration, check out my other profiles at newfacesofdemocracy.org and follow New Faces of Democracy on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook.